Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Jose Palomino here. CEO of Value Prop and your host on Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest is Jacob Badsgard, CEO and founder of Disruptive Advertising. We're going to have a great conversation talking about the owner's life in a growing business. And there's going to be a couple of key thoughts there in terms of how you actually have a lot of control over how you want to function inside the context of your business so that you can get the most out of it, not just financially, but also in life. So listen closely as Jacob joins us right now. Welcome, Jacob, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thanks for having me, Jose. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Jacob, uh, just to give context to our audience, if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you do it for. You bet. So I'm the founder and president of Disruptive Advertising. Uh, we are a uh, performance marketing agency. We're based out of Utah, but since COVID, we now have employees all over the country. And uh, we love partnering with businesses that have kind of gotten stuck in that. They're kind of in that five to $50 million range. They don't have the right uh, internal or strategic marketing partner to leverage performance digital channels to get to the next level. And so we've built a business around doing that and just celebrated our 10-year anniversary last week. So congratulations. Yeah. That's that's not a trivial, especially in, in in this field, which is is competitive. Uh, you know, a lot of people can, and a lot of them start off legitimately a single shingle. You know, hey, I'm I got this uh-huh. skill set, and you know, like Liam Neeson and Taken, I have a certain set of skills, and they want to apply <laughs> them. And then eventually, like in your case, you expanded, and I know you've built a pretty sizable agency at this point, uh, doing this kind of work. Yeah, yeah. We started out as uh, I actually was an analytics consultant. Um, I worked at Onager and Adobe and did an- analytics consulting for some of the biggest companies in the world. And I actually thought that's what I'd be doing my whole career. What I found out is that small and medium-sized businesses, once they had good data, still didn't have the bandwidth or ex- expertise to execute what the data was telling them. And then all of a sudden, I was a, a, an advertising agency because they needed someone to implement and execute what the data was saying. And so I actually never touched marketing. I only got introduced to marketing through data. And, uh, and like I said, the easiest place to track was with PPC and, and digital ads because you could track everything. Right. And then over the years, we've, we've expanded into more of the content, Amazon, some other areas as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a fun journey and we have grown quite a bit. We've gone from me freelancing out of my basement to about 130 people in the organization at this point and, and having a good time. Wow. Well, congrats to you because that's no small achievement and it's a tough it's a tough, very competitive market, as I know. Yeah. And uh, what I love about what you've done, though, is you focus on that kind of the uh, the lower end, lower to middle of the mid market, right? Which is you're exactly yep. right. You can you can lay out the the you know the game plan, but they don't have the horses to do the game plan. Like you know, Correct. so it just it just creates frustration. You know, they they go to a workshop or a seminar or something like that and say, "Oh, you got to do is set up this," and you know, your classic. Uh, 
a lot of these platforms, like, you know, and I'm not being critical of them, but like the HubSpots and so on, they show you the flow chart with 87 bubbles that just connect. And they go, and they say something like, oh, you're so easy. It's so easy. Just connect. You see, it's just, just connect this bubble to this bubble and this action happens and that triggers this. And unless you have people who literally can do that, which is very technically daunting, it's not trivial, as easy as they try to make it, um, it's just overwhelming. So, so I really love the fact that you stepped into that gap and you identified the gap and you've built a, you know, a successful firm as a result of that. Now, now, Jacob, something that came up in a prior conversation, and I just want to reflect on it a little bit, because here you are in the middle of B2B, right? Analytics, it's all like computer-driven marketing, blah, 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 all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet you've talked about something that I've been hearing in other corners as well, the need to be authentically yourself, even in that very, what would seem to be like the land of the robots and yet be very authentically yourself. So I'm just kind of curious how your journey led you to those kind of thoughts and how that manifests as a practical level running, you know, a good sized business at this point. Yeah. It's definitely a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I uh, One of the analogies that was shared with me that uh, I just really resonate with is that life is lived in about four buckets of 20 years. The first 20 years, you you learn how to interact with the world as, as a child from one to 20. From, uh, and, and you learn what the world expects of you, um, how people respond, what people like, what they don't. And, uh, and then from 20 to 40, if you think of that as a new lifetime, a 21-year-old is really a one-year-old adult, not a 21-year-old human, <laughs> right? And you and I both relate to that because you're laughing. And it's well, I have wrong. a 20-year-old son, so I know, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just happen to be on the verge of shifting into the next stage, which I'm, I'm about 39 now. Okay. And uh, from 20 to 40, it's climbing that mountain that the world told me I was supposed to climb. Mm-hmm. I did, I did, I did the, a church mission. I did my college. I got married. I had the kids. I got the career. I started the business. I made the money. I got the big house. And all of a sudden I realized I was kind of doing this to try and appease everyone else. And it's actually on the outside looks like things are going amazing. And on the inside, I, I just think I'm doing all of these things for everyone else, but what do I actually want? And mm-hmm. Can I even disentangle myself from all of this world that I've created and show up more authentically? And that's actually a pretty normal transition for this stage of life because 40 to 60 is more about, hey, I climbed the first mountain for everyone else. And now I'm going to climb the mountain that matters to me from 40 to 60. Sure. And then that 60 to 80 is more of like the village elder that has more wisdom to share (laughs) with the rising generation. Right. And so that's like, (laughs) that's where I find myself and I'm not motivated about the things that I was motivated the last 20 years right. anymore. And so it's been fun for me to explore more of who am I? What are my strengths? What 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 are my values? When push comes to shove, I'll do it anyway because it's aligned with who I am, even if it's uncomfortable. And and I've and I've found that when I show up that way, light shines, intelligence flows, and I create things that are very satisfying and meaningful to me. And as a marketer, as a business owner, I feel like I either have the best job in the world when I'm showing up that way or the worst job in the world when I'm showing up and trying to make everyone else happy. And um, so it's been an interesting journey to go on. And that's kind of how I got here. Wow. Well, well, now, Jacob, you know, it does raise a couple of thoughts, right? So right away, and I'm just visualizing because, again, I've been last close to the last 20 years working mostly with owners of businesses, you know, roughly in that same category. 
And I could visualize somebody listening to that and say, well, what am I supposed to do? Like leave the keys on the table and go take a nature walk for three years and find myself, you know, yeah. so it could sound, it can sound that way. I don't think that's quite what you mean, but you're still running your business. So how do you, how do you manage the tension of a business you built maybe in partly in response to what you thought expectations were of you. So you build this great business and here you are saying, I want to pursue things that are more meaningful to me. Can you do that in the context of still running a business? Does it help you or hinder you from fulfilling that vision for yourself? Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about that question is the answer is different for everyone. Because for some people, the answer might be, it's not running the business anymore. For some people, it might be, it is running the business. And, I, and, and what I can tell you from my experience is that while I've had opportunities to sell my business, um, I have not found that that's the right path for me. Because a lot of the self-discovery that, that I have experienced and continue to experience happens through business. Because that's a lot of the times more of the blank canvas where I get to paint, create, and um, express who I am. And so I'm in a very fortunate position where I, where I have not brought on investors and, and am, am still the uh, like vast majority owner of the business, 95 plus percent. And so I really get to make those decisions. So if I want to pivot, I actually have the freedom and the liberty to do that. And I feel like if I, if I sold it to try and go find myself somewhere else, that's actually taking an outside in approach, which is if I can change everything on the outside, then maybe I'll find centering on the inside. And what I've found is I've, I've practiced a lot of that my whole life and it doesn't work. When I try to fix the outside first, okay, when I get the business to this point, when I have X number of zeros in my bank account, when my kids don't wear diapers anymore, when my wife and I get along like this, then I'll feel centered and whole on the inside. And I've just spent really about 40 years practicing that. And, it, and I've just found that it doesn't work. And so where that happens for me is I got very clear on what are my, what are my values and what are my priorities in life? And, and I went through the list relatively quickly. And the first one was nourishing my mind, body, and soul. That is my number one priority. My second priority is be present and connected with my family. My third priority is to work on my passion my fourth one is my work. And my fifth one is my community. And so I went and looked at my calendar and I said, if these are my priorities, how well does my calendar re represent this? Right. And in some areas I was like, Hey, I'm actually doing pretty good in this area. And then, and then other places I'm like, I'm not creating any time for some of these things that I say are important to me. And so I haven't had to leave the business. I haven't had to uh, do anything drastically different. I just reprioritized how I spend my time. And what I do is I start with uh, my first priority, which is each morning, I take the time to meditate, journal, exercise, listen to a good book. And that's all that, frankly, all the centering that I need. And even before we hopped on our podcast today, I take a 15 minute, like little power nap uh, in the middle of the day as well and recenter once again for the second half of the day so that I can show up with that same level of centering and energy. And I've found that that's plenty for me. To, to find that centering, to show up more authentically and not be preoccupied in my mind of trying to uh, keep everyone happy. Well, well, it's interesting. Uh, Perry Marshall writes about this. He calls it Renaissance time, that morning routine. Yeah. And it's been, you know, it's devotions, it's what, but it's, it's even more than that. It could have a spiritual bent, but it could also just be journaling your thoughts, like what you're processing. 
Uh, right. so just to get it down. So I, I engage in that uh, every morning as well. And it helps me clarify my thinking, especially when you have kind of like anxious thoughts coming from, I got to do this, I got to do this, all these different things. And there's always, like you said, a lot of other things coming at you. It could be client responsibilities, big projects. Yeah. It could even be positive things, things you want to do, mm -hmm. but it just, you, there's like eh, the noise kicks in. So you have to like slow it down a step and writing it down is very helpful. So I, I'm just glad you mentioned that because I think that makes a lot of sense. So, but now, you know, we talk about expectations. You, you hit on that a little bit, but as an employer, right, you have a team. So, and you have clients. So by definition, you actually have contractual or legal responsibilities to people who work for you and people you yeah. work for. So those are expectations. You can't just, you can't just kind of think away. Those are real things. How do you balance that sense of being your real self in the context of sometimes, and I'm sure all your clients are wonderful, but some are maybe a little less or a little more so than others. <laughs> you have the name. And, you know, if you have a staff of 130, there, uh, there's going to be a bell curve dynamic to that as well, right? So, yeah. so how do you keep those edges on that dynamic from changing that path you're on now to to kind of be the, the self you want to be? Yeah. Well, there... It's funny, when you ask that question, I was reminded of a book that I've read recently called After the Ecstasy of the Laundry. <laughs> and so we have this morning practice and we make it sound like, oh, I just get all centered and then the rest of my day goes perfect. And it's like, no, there's still the laundry to be done mm -hmm. and there's still a work to be done. And so I, I love that follow-up question because I think that brings us into the integration of just reality, right? Mm -hmm. The human experience is never all peaches and roses. Like, in fact, the contrast is what makes life rich and beautiful. Because if we didn't have the needy, demanding client, we actually wouldn't even know what a great client feels like. Okay. <laughs> right? Well, thank you so, for the needy, demanding. <laughs> yeah. So now, now, what I will tell you is that there are, there are times where I can say we are just so misaligned that we actually will end a relationship with a sure. client because it's, it's just so misaligned right. that that's just the right thing to do. And then there are more macro changes that we've made uh, over the course of the last 10 years. For example, um, over the last three years, we have a third as many clients as we used to while maintaining and growing revenue. Because we got a lot more specific around that the, the nature, size, and industry of businesses that we know are more successful in and that allow us to show up and add more value, which in turn makes it more fun mm -hmm. for us to engage and work with those accounts. And so... Uh, that's one of the ways that we can kind of bring some of those practices into the business and say, no, actually making it work in these situations is not working for who we know ourselves to be and how we want to show up to serve the world and the clients that we work with. And so those are some examples of changes that we've made that get us back more to authentically operating as we are as an agency. No, that's exciting. And and I think it's knowing it's it's getting a better sense of who do we who do we pair up with best? Because look, at the end of the day, as I I look at this when I advise owners on staff. Sometimes they have a staff person at boy, we've been trying to work with Larry, we've been growing, you know, grinding at this mm -hmm. with Larry. And and I and I asked him, I said, okay, well, you know, in your best case scenario, does this ever get good with Larry? And is Larry happy? And chances are Larry's miserable, you're miserable. <sighs> You're miserable with each other. Like you got to stop the pain at some point and you're not doing Larry any favors 
Now, if you want to be a particular type of, and I've seen this bosses say, okay, I'm going to give, you know, you can give Larry three months. If you own the business, you give him the time it takes to find a better situation for him. If that's how you yeah. feel about it, but you don't have to perpetuate the situation. It's not going to help you any because, you know, and it's not helping him either. Yeah. I, uh, Jose, that's, as you say that, there are a variety of people that come up um, from experiences just like that. And if I'm being honest, I, I tend to hold on because I have this, this narrative in my heart that we're, anytime I work with someone, we're supposed to sell off into the sunset together. It's supposed to be the happy ending. And, and I'm a heart first and my head catches up later kind right. of guy. And so when things aren't working, I just want to make, I want to figure out a way to make it work. But, and what I've realized over time, and this is still a practice, not perfect for me, is it's actually within reason. And when we just realize this is just painful for both parties, as you just described, um, to try and make it work at that point is for me to come to Larry and say, we're going to fix you because you being you isn't working. And so we've got to change who you are to be successful is the most condescending, rude thing I could do to another human being is to say, <laughs> like, and I haven't really realized that for most of my career is to say, I actually see you and love you as you are. And it's just not a fit for the role that you're in for you to naturally be successful. The kind thing to do is let's set you up for success. And that's just not going to be here anymore. Right. Um, and so I think you're spot on. And that's one of the things that's been really hard for me about business. And, um, and, and it comes back to that point that we've been talking about, which is I see in others what I am struggling with myself. Hmm. And so when I, when I don't allow a Larry, uh, so to speak, to move on, I'm doing the same thing to myself. I'm operating in ways that are not in alignment with my strengths and where I shine and add value naturally. And I'm not willing to let go of those parts. Right. And you groundhog and, day that same dynamic with, yeah. with Larry. Or, you know, or, and then other people have seen you with Larry and say, why doesn't he see what we all plainly see is not working out? I mean, yeah. you know, even the Beatles broke up. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that yeah. And that was a collaboration at work, uh, yeah. you know. So sometimes things happen. That's interesting. So, so let's just steer steer just for a second here, Jacob. Just because we're on on a, a podcast called Business Growth on Purpose, right? So, yeah. So you grew your agency from you said from basically a basement startup, right? And in ten years, you have you know over a hundred employees. You're serving all these different customers and so on. Um, and I know that's a lot of hard work, a lot of smart decisions, probably a couple of breaks along the way. All those things come together. It's the alchemy of business growth. It's not, it, it's not exactly like just, you know, just add water and it's going to happen for everybody the same way. But if you had to put your finger on one or two things that you think are the things that most helped you attain the growth and success you've experienced, what would those things be? I'm just kind of curious. What comes to mind, like top of top of mind is the reasons, you know, and obviously there's, there's providence, you know, there's, there's other factors involved, but what do you think they are? Yeah. Without a doubt, the thing that we've done that most in my industry have not done is we've taken very seriously, not being the, uh, the cobbler's kids that go without shoes, so to speak. So we, we do inbound performance marketing for our clients and we are fantastic at that for our own business. 
And so we have never done outreach to get a single client in our entire existence. And we actually screen through people reaching out to us to find those that would be the best fit and actually say no to most people that reach out to us. Um, and so that's one thing that I've just taken what my strength is that I share with the world through the services that we provide and make sure that my business is fantastic at that as well. Okay. Um, so that's one thing uh, that we've done. And that, that frankly is one of our differentiators is we're just really good at that. Um, we've taken reviews very seriously. We are, I believe we're the top reviewed agency in the country. And if you go look at number of awards and reviews for top, uh, Google, PBC, social media advertising uh, agencies, like you'll just see us everywhere for that. And so um, we, we've taken those things seriously, but practically from a business function standpoint, the hardest thing that I do that drives the most value for the business is when I am operating in an aspect of the business that does not light me up and give me energy. I have fallen for the lie or the misconception, I should say, that that means no one else would want to do this either. And so I just have to grin and bear it and do it myself and suffer. And what I've realized is that the things I don't like doing, there are other people that love doing mm, those that things. Thing. Right. Okay. Okay. And so I don't love operating the day-to-day -day business and all the details and getting things to the finish line. I love vision. I love big picture. Mm -hmm. I love connecting with the hearts of the people that I work with and bathing them in that. And that's where I shine the brightest. And so I've been able to bring on a CEO that is fantastic at the details and getting things to the finish line and keeping the team coordinated. Um, same thing on the sales, operations, account management, letting people that love that part of the business take that on. And maybe they wouldn't do it as great as I would, but the reality is they just do it differently than I would. And sometimes that actually ends up being better just in a very different way. And so that's like the other thing that I've, I feel like I've learned the hard way is the parts that aren't aligned with my natural strengths, I held on to those for way too long. And I actually think the business didn't grow as much as it could as a result of that. Because when I'm focused on the business, the big picture, the vision, the connection, and the culture, we thrive, we grow, and we're very strategic in how we move forward. When I get involved in the details of how we execute that on the day-to-day, -day, we, we spin our wheels and work harder to get nowhere. And isn't that also driven in part by maybe believing is there were, like you said, your earlier part of your journey, the expectations on you, like you're a business owner now, you should know how to, you should be great at financial statements. You should be great at operations. You should be great at recruiting people, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you should be great at selling. And there's always those people telling you, well, if you're going to run a business, you got to be really good at whatever they think you should be really good at. And maybe part of us intellectually say, well, yeah, that would be helpful if I was really good at those things. But maybe as you pointed, they're not your natural strength. You're yeah. smart enough to learn to do something well enough, right. but it doesn't mean you're going to be world-class in all those dimensions when there are people who are. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly it. And that's the, the challenge for most entrepreneurs is that we actually are good enough at all of the areas that we can get away with doing it. And it's actually, I think, one of the things that holds us back because then we get distracted with too many things and don't do the thing that we're best at. Wow. That's, I think that's a good summary statement for just about anybody listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody who's an owner operator, because I've seen this time and again, I've seen owners that obviously have the, here's the thing. They sometimes will bring on people, but will never really empower those people to do their thing. They, they will, they'll say, yes, you are my COO, you're my CFO, whatever, but there's like the eye of Sauron. They're right on top of them all the time. 
And eventually you can see the behaviors that people won't make decisions, won't take chances, won't get ahead of the schedule because they're kind of been, they've been dinged on it before. Why did you do it this way and that way? So eventually people, you know, they come down to a different level than the person you thought you hired. Yeah. And, and, and guilty, by the way, I've done that plenty. I, I think a lot of this we learned through experience and uh, you don't set people up for success unless you truly clarity, provide clarity and empowerment. And both, both are needed. If it's not clear what the expectation is, and then they're empowered to do it the way they see best fit. It, it's hard for people to shine and do their best work. Wow. Well, Jake, but empowerment this- without clarity doesn't work either. So sorry. Right. No, no, that's, that's true. Right. You have to just to tell somebody go do it. And they say, do what exactly? They're not sure what you want, right? Your expectations have to be clear. Jacob, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you a bit through here. Hopefully our listeners have as well. If somebody listening wanted to know more about your firm, about how to contact you, what should they do? Yeah, the best place to connect with me personally would just be on LinkedIn, Jacob Badsgard. There's four A's in my last name. I think you'll find it pretty easy. <laughs> and uh, disruptiveadvertising.com is the agency. And we're always happy to do uh, a complimentary strategy review to see what's going on if we feel like we could make uh, an impact. So uh, reach out to us there if that feels like that's aligned with where you're at in your business. Fantastic. Jacob Badsgard, thank you so much for joining us here on Business Growth on Purpose. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.